Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. A friend of mine texted me and was like, should I go see the Top Gun movie? And I said, yeah, I think you should. So he went that afternoon and he texted me back and he's like, that was amazing and I cried. (laughs) The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the podcast that keeps you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is twisting the knobs in the worldwide headquarters of Hound Radio. <laughs> <laughs> you are, aren't you? Yes, I'm, I'm barking, barking out the hits when we're not doing podcasts <laughs> with you guys. At the Katz Podcasting System. And today, uh, we feature two members of our dream team, the two great film savants. First, WTOP radio entertainment editor, Jason Fraley, and I'll applaud for you. Thanks for having me back. And joining us all the way from Los Angeles, the entertainment correspondent, Oliver Jones of Observer.com and many other venues, Oliver. It's great to see you guys again. I've missed you all terribly. It's been too long. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and let me sneak in uh, that uh, one of the many, many reasons uh, we love you is you are Davy Marlin Jones's son. And you Mm -hmm. are carrying the banner for the Jones family. And so we're delighted that you're here. So uh, I can say, Arch, when my dad carried this banner, uh, the banner carrying paid a bit better. Uh, um, yes, well, it's not quite the same. <laughs> so, uh, Oliver, what are you watching? Well, you know, Arch, this seems to be the summer of um, people watching on television uh, and spe- and devoting six to eight hours on books that would take them three hours to read on the beach at Rehoboth. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, this uh, week I've been watching The Old Man. Uh, with uh, with uh, Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. on FX and John Lithgow. Yeah. And it is, you know, it's fun to see those two old guys go at it, I must say. they're, they're uh, It's good to see them back. And it's also great to see Jeff in such good shape. You know, he just, he looks good and he's in, um, he's in fine fiddle. Anymore you send it, ma'am, send him back in bags. Anyone you send it, my kid, send him back in pieces. There's no limit to the damage he'll do. The things he'll destroy. You know, I'm a big fan of his movie Hell or High Water. Oh, yeah. It's one of the best things he ever did. Hey, Arch, yeah. what what don't you want? <laughs> what is it? Either you don't want the chicken or you don't want the steak or whatever. Well, you don't want the beans or you don't <laughs> yeah, want the corn. Yeah, yeah that what was it. Don't you want? Uh and I I watched a little bit of the uh first episode of The Old Man. And it just seemed too familiar to me. Mm. Too much of the same old stuff. Well, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, Liam Neeson movie, the series. Uh, oh. But um, but all in all, you know, I enjoyed spending time with him and also his wonderfully uh, well-trained two dogs. Uh, my dogs are not as well-trained uh, <laughs> as his dogs. It's, uh, and, it's and a chase was, movie. It's a chase uh, yeah. movie. They're chasing Yes, exactly. Uh, and um, and then I finished uh, The Lincoln Lawyer, another paperback, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, which was uh, which was OK. And then last night I watched the penultimate episode of um, The Staircase, uh, which was quite a, a, a twist. 
and an example of the uh, podcastification of our of our entertainment, right? Where where it begins to take the structure of a podcast, uh, episodic podcast. Uh, nothing against podcasts, by the way. Uh, but um, <laughs> a, a fantastic cast uh, and a, a big, huge twist in the uh, in the penultimate episode um, that you did not see coming, which was. Would you uh, recommend in, the staircase? Uh, I would because um, uh, Colin Firth is 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 so uh, Firth is um, is so compelling, uh, and the cast is 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 strong. My wife, she had an accident. What kind of accident? She, she fell down the stairs. You just wander through life, going to the gym and yelling at the dogs and spending my money. It drags though. Uh, they probably could have done it in two episodes as opposed to six to eight. Yeah, that's what I did. You see, either of you see Candy? Candy was on. I missed that uh, one. Uh, you know, it was uh, uh, Jennifer Beale and uh, based on a case in Texas where a woman oh, that's right. axes uh, her neighbor to death. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they stretched it out to four episodes and it could have been one. And uh, I just uh, uh, so so I can't get into the staircase either. So, yeah. so far, I'm zero for two. Well, you just have too much going on in your life, Art. Uh, you, need to, uh, you need to have less friends and play less golf, and you'll be have plenty of time. So I'm reading the Bosch novels by... Oh, very um, good. This, the guy who wrote uh, The Lincoln Lawyer. Michael Connolly, well. yeah, his yeah. Main, um, his main character, Hieronymus Bosch. And I was Bob. a fan of the series. Anyway, the books are are much uh, superior. The books yeah. are fabulous. Jason, what about you? What are you watching these days? Well, everyone's been reading. I I, uh, I I've been reading. <laughs> I went back to the Old Man in the Sea. Hemingway. I, I, ah. I randomly ah. a random there summer you go. read. But uh, in terms of uh, in terms of what I'm watching, and I'm not uh -huh. reading that, um, I just finished the Barry finale, and I know I guess you probably discussed oh. that like a week wow. or two. Um, man, I just, I thought the, that third season, um, just proves what we all already knew. It's one of the best shows on TV. I mean, you get the, the drama of the Hitman stuff, but also the comedy. We, you and I laughed about the, the dogs arch a couple episodes uh -huh. ago, but even just like the, the detonator app, like he's trying to set this bomb off, uh -huh. <laughs> trying to get signal and holding the phone up over the car. It's just hilarious. Um, and then, uh, I've also, this season, I enjoyed that guest spot by, I think the actor's name's Robert Wisdom. He was Lieutenant Colvin in the Hey guys, I just wanted to jump in for a second to let you know that Henry Winkler was recently on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and made some rather interesting comments about how season three wrapped up. I'm, I'm willing to go so far as to say there is a scene that might be the most intense work I have ever done since um, the beginning of my career in 1970. Really? Yes. And, uh, how, and how Bill uh, uh, took me there, we, and I, I work with an, an actor who was just introduced last week, Robert Wisdom, who plays uh, the, the love of my life, who Bill killed. But the way that it all built to, you know, we won't give it away, but, you know, it, it was some cool twists and turns, double-crossing kind of stuff at the end, and then that final shot, which was directed by Bill Hader, actually directed that. Right, like, yeah. Um, it, there, you see two characters out a window, one exits leaving one character, and then there's a picture frame off to the right, and the camera just kind of holds and lets you take in the power of what that image means. I mean, that's just really, really good filmmaking. I'm excited for season four now. <laughs> there was an episode of, uh, I must have been the one before, the, it must have been penultimate, 
which was a chase on the freeway mm-hmm. and the photography yep. of the uh, motorcycles going through stalled cars right. was just incredible. And of course, the violence was just over the top. And it was just, I, uh, you know, it was breathtaking. I think we all, I think everybody's just like, this This episode's been brought to you by the word penultimate. <laughs> Everybody keeps saying penultimate. <laughs> well, it's really a good word. It's a great one. Let's use it 10 more times today. My students never know what it means. Uh, so they, they obviously never listen to this podcast. Uh, right. It's second to last, folks. <laughs> but uh, I've also been watching, um, in terms of TV series, my wife and I just watched it came out earlier this year on Netflix, but I guess it popped back up because of Pride Month. It's called Heartstopper. Um, did any of you guys watch that? No, no. It's, um, it. it's a very heartwarming, like family, let's call it like a family friendly alternative to, um, there's there's more of like a raunchy R-rated comedy called Fire Island on Hulu, a, a movie that just came yeah. out. It's like a raunchier sex comedy kind of a thing. Uh, but this Heartstopper is a more of a heartwarming series. The directing's kind of reminiscent of um, remember 500 Days of Summer. It kind of has those like oh, yeah. screens and like animated doodle graphics kind of over the whole thing. Um, but I, I my wife and I loved it. it. It shows these two high school boys. You know, one is one is openly gay at the beginning. The other is like a, a, a the school's hit rugby. Player player trying to figure out his sexuality. It's literally just another silly crush. It's not a crush. How do I stop liking someone? Specifically a straight guy. Oh, uh, the question for the ages. So often the great art masterpieces, Moonlight, Brokeback Mountain, you know, all the great ones on the subject are, they're, they're masterfully done, but they're always, you know, so, so heavy and almost sad in the end. It's, it was yeah, nice to see yeah. kind of a, a heartwarming coming of age version where you, you really believe these two, two kids are, you know, it's a coming of age story. You believe they're in love. Uh, we, we enjoyed that. So I recommend Heartstopper on Netflix and Barry on HBO. Yeah. Have either of you, did either, have either of you caught Cha Cha Real Smooth on Apple, a film by uh, Cooper no, Rave? It was the big. Uh, it was the big hit out of Sundance, uh, um, and um, but I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. Had you, Arch? Did you like it? I watched it. It's on Apple. Uh, it's uh, Cooper Rafe uh, is uh, an up and coming uh, actor director. He directed this and wrote it, and it's the story of a kid who just gets out of college. And is kind of, uh, you know, doesn't have a job. And uh, he takes his little brother to a bar mitzvah. And he sort of finds his calling as a party starter. He's the one who goes around and gets the kids to get out and dance and that sort of thing. And he meets Dakota Johnson, who has a, uh, a challenged daughter. And he and Dakota Johnson, uh, although she's about 10 years older, they connect and he connects to the daughter. And so it's sort of a will they, won't they romance. And Dakota Johnson, I, I think it's one of the best things she's ever done. She, she gets that ability that women have to confuse men <laughs> and the chemistry between the two of them is uh, Excellent. Do you two dance? We're not feeling it right now. How about I bet you $300 I can get her on the dance floor? I will give you $1,000. You can't just decide that you love somebody. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. I started it and, and I was completely captured. 
I loved it. Nice. I thought it's it was so terrific. great to hear, Arch. Uh, I love Dakota Johnson, and I feel like it's mm -hmm. sort of, you know, because of um, Fifty Shades of Grey, she's never been really yeah. taken seriously. No. Uh, and uh, and she's actually done some uh, some really terrific work in the last couple of years. Uh, uh, she's she's a very unique screen present. And it's uh, ironically, there's no nudity, and yet this is probably the most erotic thing she's ever done. Mm -hmm. It's called cha that? it's called Cha Cha Real Smooth. Cha Cha yeah. Real Smooth, and, and every, it's on Apple. Every time I read that title, I want to go to the left. Take it back now, y'all. <laughs> Well, you know, I was put off by the title because it's too cute by about times 10. Right. And uh, and the movie is so good, it got me uh, beyond the title. Uh, there's a young actress who plays a, a, an autistic daughter named Vanessa Burkhart, who's, and it's kind of a breakout uh, performance for her. It's really good, and it's right on Apple. I mean, it's right Fantastic. there. I think Apple's been crushing it lately, really. I, I've been really impressed, you know. Well, they're the reigning Well, best the people. same people that brought you Coda. Right. Yeah. We've never talked about that on this podcast. <laughs> My love of Coda. <laughs> well, they're obviously ho hoping to sort of reproduce that magic with this one, um, you know, having uh -huh. picked it up with a lot of momentum out of Sundance. Uh, and, and that maybe is holding it back a little bit because it's sort of getting compared to the, the last phenomenon. But yeah, I'm really excited to see that one, Arch. I've been going, unlike, unlike Jason, I've been braving the movie theaters and seeing <laughs> uh, the, uh, the recent blockbusters. I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet, but I have seen Jurassic really? Park. Really? I just would have assumed you'd been to Top Gun Maverick. Well, you know, I, I have to say, us Gen Xers don't really feel that same deep emotional no. connection to Top Gun that apparently others do. I remember it as sort of the worst kind of a jingoistic 80s militarism commercial. And I, I wasn't as eager to relive that as, uh, as others were. But, you know, I'm not a um, stick in the mud. I like to see- The, the original actually wasn't that good, Jason, uh, do you think? I think I think it, it was one of those things where um, if you watched it sort of if you were almost too old or too young for its prime, you were, you know, you, you sort of like, well, what were the big deal? But if you sort of were alive and, and of a, I guess as of a certain age, maybe like, you know, a young. Well, I don't know. Oliver just said Gen Xer. So who knows? But like I, I guess, said, uh, I, I grew up in punk rock, Washington, D.C., and we didn't right. cotton to no military uh, movies <laughs> that were, uh, you know. That were an well, it was our... kind of in the wake of an officer and a gentleman, as I recall, right. which really, you know, kind of set the standard for that kind of movie. But well, the, the soundtrack of the original one was was what was great. And also you got the pop culture, you know, and Need for Speed and, you know, the aviator sunglasses and Tom Cruise was in his you know, in his oh, yeah. day there. Um, but, you know, I actually interviewed Kenny Loggins a couple of weeks ago when, when Maverick mm. was coming out. Um, and he said he ran into Tom Cruise just um, by accident, like backstage on Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. Uh -huh. and, and he asked if Danger Zone was going to be in it. And Tom Cruise said, of course, uh, you know, it wouldn't be Top Gun without Danger Zone. And so, and then I asked Kenny Loggins, what was it like sitting in the theater and hearing uh, uh, Danger Zone coming out again? And he, and he said, well, let me put it to you this way. Have you ever had an orgasm? <laughs> he said, it's the best feeling in the world to hear your, you know, your, your song in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I, I went into a theater to see it, 
because I, I felt like I should. And I went to, I did the old guy thing. I went to the first matinee. So it wasn't overly crowded. And, you know, there's, there's just sort of a familiar, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the sort of reintroducing people to the idea of going to the movies again. Right. It was familiar and comforting. It was yeah. comfort food, uh, lots of music. Cruz looks great. Jennifer Connelly is in there and uh, she looks great. And uh, the whole time I thought, well, this is an update on wings. (laughs) (laughs) That's an old, right down to the big camera shot over the tables, right? And we're we're going back to 1927, folks. Um, But have you watched wings? Have you seen wings lately? The first I got a DVD winner. of it a few years ago and watched the whole thing. Wow. And it's Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> I like Jen. I like Jen Janney's the other day, uh, the other podcast. She said, <laughs> actually, I think it kind of reminded me more of Top Gun. <laughs> but uh, that was a good I one. Told her. <laughs> but actually, that's absolutely right, though, Arch. You know, I think that this film, uh, you see, you know, uh, Tom Cruise looking the same as he ever did. You know, you see this wonderful, um, airplane stuff, you know, forget the stuff on the ground, but uh, it does make you remember what it was like to go to the movies. And I think, you know, um, the the latest Jurassic Park or Jurassic World film did much the same thing. I mean, it's not the greatest film in the world. And I think film goers acknowledge that, but they're also saying to themselves, you know, I like this feeling of being in the movies. I like Mm -hmm. feeling overwhelmed. I like my eyes widening. You know, I like my seat rumbling. You know, the, the, this is a moment where people are feeling that feeling again, you know, that first crush uh, of, of film going. Uh, I think you're, you're seeing that with these, with these blockbuster films right now. That's such a good point, Oliver, because I can't think over the last, you know, two, two and a half years, many movies that I've, you know, gotten a text from, well, this is what happened. My, my dad texted me saying, hey, we're going to see Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> He was was 26 Uh when the original came out. So that was always one of his favorite movies, you know, Great Balls of Fire, Singing the Piano, all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, but like to your point, Oliver, is like, yeah, this is one of the first ones that, you know, I actually get a uh, reaching out family members saying, are you going to Top Gun? Um, You know, like, so yeah, I think it's that and Jurassic World Dominion. It's those kind of movies are are bringing people back. Well, I haven't seen it, but I do want to, I want to insert that I understand Jurassic Park just stinks to high heaven and the new movie buzz lightyear the same thing you know someone said in a real world generally uh, buzz lightyear would go direct to video but people are going there's a star waiting in the sky i was perhaps of a, of a small minority that didn't that that, that enjoyed uh, the new buzz lightyear um, movie in the respect mm, that i yeah. thought it was an interesting rumination on the idea of masculinity and hero uh, and hero worship and what it means to be a hero and what and, and personal growth you know and i also thought it was funny i laughed at the cat um so um so i i, I didn't dislike uh, uh buzz lightyear and i also admired them for going outside of the toy room and outside of the toy box uh in terms of trying to expand this story thinking uh, out of the box yeah now, thinking I, outside of the toy box. now i um i as much as i loved uh 
Forky, the character in the in Toy Story 4. I think I personally think they should have stopped after Toy Story 3. It was a nice little trilogy. And I mean, of course, the original, the original was my favorite. I still remember going yeah, in, in yeah. 95 as a kid as like a fifth grader mm -hmm. or whatever and seeing yeah. it's the first computer generated animation uh ever. And I, I I was like, I've never seen anything like this. Uh you have to go all the way back to probably Snow White in 1937 to see, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a groundbreaking thing in animation like that. Not to mention just one of the great all-time great buddy stories buddy flicks uh with uh tom hanks and and tim allen and i know um some people were upset that tim allen wasn't returning for this i i'm sure i, I don't some people are like is, is he getting canceled over his politics but no disney plus is doing the santa claus with him this fall so i don't think it's that uh but uh it is uh I, I, it's kind of weird to me to have a toy story without tim allen as buzz Lightyear. that'd be like having woody without um without Tom Hanks, but I don't know. Uh, I'm glad you liked it, Oliver. I think um, it, I think it's a little confusing to have, um, now we're gonna do an origin story of a toy, but it's it's a different voice and a different character, and it's the real life astronaut that inspired him. It's definitely him. a confusing piece confusing. of marketing for right. a animated it's, film without a doubt. Star Wars-ization. Right. I, well, I get the same vibe from Star Wars, you know, right. just mm. stop. Well, Just he's named, shut up. He's Star named Wars. after he's named after Buzz Aldrin, but the story isn't Buzz Aldrin's origin story. It's no. like a made up Chris Evans story. But anyway, but, um, but look, there you are. The, the the three big movies of the summer: Buzz Lightyear, Jurassic Park, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, they're all familiar stories. Yeah. They're familiar. They're comfort food. And you want to see them in a drive-in? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, you will soon. Yeah, yeah. Just be careful if you're sitting in that in your car and your little glass of water starts having T-Rex ripples. <laughs> um, I, I again, I think that's a franchise. As much as I love the music and everything, I feel like they probably could have stopped years ago. That that original one to me in '93. Um, again, I was, oh, that yeah, was perfect. fabulous. It's uh, it was unbelievable. And I would honestly yeah. say similar to how I said, you know, Toy Story is a, you know, in Snow White are the big moments on the timeline mm -hmm. to me, Jurassic Park is right there with King Kong in terms of the big monster movies, the big, those are the marks on the film history timeline, because uh, just like King Kong changed everything with stop motion. Jurassic Park was that moment that Spielberg, they started in stop motion, you know, and had these animatronic robotic T-Rexes and stuff. And then through, throughout, you know, it was Phil Tippett, I think, that stop motion. And then throughout the process is when the CGI dinosaurs started getting woven in and, and you know, changed everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I just thought that original one had had a heart to it and like the DNA backstory and, you know, they're all female dinosaurs, yet they find a way to procreate. There's like a lot going on, I think, in the original one. <laughs> so, so where is the movie business anyway where is it now i mean i think we've just outlined it right it's going to be these ip pro uh, properties uh, for a while it, it's it's a way to um to coax people back into the process of loving film again and and being um and uh the the problem is is that film of course is about wonder about excitement about surprise mm -hmm. And it's hard to be that, that get that sense of surprise, you know, from these um, things of which we are so familiar. It, it's it's going it, to, it, it, I feel like the, the movie business isn't going to come back until we have that new thing that brings us in. Uh, and I think that we're going to be waiting for, you know, we're going to be waiting for a little while for that. But, but the world is still messed up right now, Arch, you know. I mean, I've been, we're talking about um, what, we're, what we're watching. 
I don't think there is anything that I'm watching more closely or with more uh, energy than than the January 6th hearing uh, this summer, you know, uh, um, and that, you know, I watched them yesterday. I didn't miss a moment of them. Um, and it's a reminder that, you know, our, our company, our, our country is still healing from many different wounds, you know, and uh, the movie business is the least of our worries at the moment. Yeah, it um, I've been watching them like catnip and it just coincides with, you know, the 50th anniversary of Watergate, too. It blows my mind that that so much of the country can just dismiss those hearings or not pay attention to them, because like Oliver saying, it is riveting stuff. It is. I mean, it's mostly Republican allies and former, you know, former campaign people and attorney Bill Barr, attorney general. I mean, it's 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 Trump folks testifying. It's not just a bunch of Democrats testifying. Um, it is it is pretty damning stuff, if you ask me. I mean, they hang Mike Pence and Pence saying I'm not going to get in that in the Secret Service car because he's scared. Like, I can't. Can you imagine, you know, uh, uh, Biden saying that about Obama or or Gore saying that about Clinton or or even B Bush dad uh, uh, Cheney saying that about Bush or Bush saying that about Reagan? Like we are we are off the deep end. I mean, it's crazy. I stumbled over. Julia Roberts did uh, gaslighted the story of Martha yeah. Mitchell. There's a documentary on Martha Mitchell that I think is on Netflix, and it's short. There's not a lot of footage of her, but it's fascinating. Well, sweetie, I'll tell you what. If I'm doing anything wrong in this government, just tell me about it. Martha Mitchell hit this town like a bombshell. In fact, she is getting to be known as the unguided missile. She was the Cassandra of her time, and... People dismissed her as being nuts, and it turned out she was right. And I don't know who the Cassandras of our time are, but, but the Martha Mitchell uh, documentary is, is quite something to see. Did you ever run into Martha Mitchell uh, on the beat arch uh, back in the day? Never did. No, never ran into Martha Mitchell. She's one of those fascinating to... Washington characters that, uh, you know, I... I grew up, you know, thinking about definitely, and I'm I'm excited well, to see that. She died not long after her uh, fame. She died like in the yeah. late '70s. But it's a, it's a fascinating piece on her. I, I also got. I bet you got a screener to this film, uh, eighteen and a half minutes, kind uh, of a yeah. riff. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's okay. It's uh, yeah. I actually interviewed the director, Dan Mervish. Yeah, He's a co-founder yeah. of uh, the Slam Dance Film Festival, which is across the street That's from right. Sunday. But yeah. it's fascinating to see all the different, that Watergate's popping back up. But I think that, um, and to your point with the, the Mitchell documentary, I'm looking forward to see that. The, 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 di the difference nowadays than, than during Watergate, and this really saddens me and it's tragic, is that as those investigations were unfolding, you had... This was pre, pre, yeah, this was back, uh, with, with during the fairness doctrine before that mm -hmm. lapsed, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, so we had, um, the entire nation, uh, whether you were Republican, Democrat, whatever, in between watching these revelations about the Watergate and the cover up, and to the point where, you know, Congress had to go to Nixon and say, you know, hey, hey, the, the jig is up. You, you got to resign. And he actually resigned. Nowadays, you know, now that the fairness doctrine lapsed, um, I, with, That's... you know, Newt Minow, we talked about that, but, uh, yeah, now there's, 
basically you'd have half the country that that didn't think Nixon did anything wrong if, if it was today. You know what I mean? So that that's why I'm troubled today. Yeah, you do wonder if uh, if Nixon had had Fox News, whether or not he would have ever had to resign. Uh, he wouldn't. Have, I, don't think I, so. I think, I think he so. would not have resigned. Yeah, I think well, that's. We so. also can't forget that it's the uh, it's the 30 fifth anniversary of the Iran-Contra hearings, which is the, the one that I remember the most from my, from my childhood and the one that, I, um, that really introduced me to this whole world in terms of, of being fascinated and, and watching hearings. Um, you know, so there uh, you are in LA wishing you were in Washington. And here well, Jason and I are in Washington Wishing we were in L.A. <laughs> Hold on a second, Arch. You you mentioned reading uh, Michael Connelly books and how much you uh, loved a, a, a freeway uh, chase. Right. So you're right. really wishing you were in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> well, uh, I am. But don't deny that. <laughs> you know, I've given Jason a copy of James M. Cain's great works, Double Indemnity and yeah. Mildred Pierce and The Postman Always Rings Twice. And uh, there's a, there's a whole style called L.A. Noir. Yeah. And uh, Bosch is part of that. So is James and Kane. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, can we mention The Phantom of the Open? Oh, my Mark God. It might, be my, it, it might be my favorite movie of the year, Arch. I thought it's it was so, so great. So delightful. I'm going to have a crack at the British Open. I had never heard that story. A guy who got into the British Open and couldn't had played one round of golf in his entire <laughs> life and then would re-enter under assumed names. What about if you had to enter as someone else? Bonjour. <laughs> From Paris, France, Gerard Hoppe. He's a Nazi dresser. I'll give him that. Merci beaucoup. Yeah, he played, he played the worst round of golf ever at the British Open, right? <laughs> My favorite assumed name of his was Arnold Palmtree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what I, I I'm with you. I what I loved about it. I mean, we're talking about all these big blockbusters, but this was like a little little smaller movie. And what I liked about it, you know, at first you're wondering, oh man, are they gonna are they so are they gonna poke fun at this guy? But as it goes on, Mark Rylance, uh, you know, he won the Oscar for Bridge of Spies. But as it goes on, Mark Rylance just plays it so earnestly. He plays it like this guy truly believes right. that. You know, if he hadn't <laughs> left his four iron in the car, he would have won that day. You know, he says, "I'm a killer with the four iron." <laughs> but and then you know, directing, there's like these big Lebowski dream sequences with golf tees and you know stuff like that. Um, but he just plays it so earnestly. And and by the way, um, I guess it made me think of Happy Gilmore, the golf movie. Uh, oh, I, I really that. like Adam Sandler's new movie on Netflix, Netflix mm -hmm. Hustle, where he plays the NBA uh, scout. Uh, it's sort of like his Jerry Maguire, I thought. I, I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, I, I caught up with The Outfit, which is the other Mark Rylance. Yeah. Great performance of this year. Cost me $5.99 to watch it on Prime. It's uh, the late 1950s, and he's a British tailor in uh, Chicago, and something is going on with the mob in his office, and it's, it's got that kind of usual suspects twist yeah. to it. I, have you seen the outfit? Uh, I haven't, but I love clothes and I love gangsters, so it's right up my alley. I also like uh, Mark Rylance, and I'm really enjoying the fact that I, you're having Summer of Rylance. Yeah. 
It's the summer of violence. I re- I yeah. really got I really got to watch um the outfit because I like what is it that no sudden move was that what it's called last year on HBO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like those yeah. gangster things. And, You'll uh, love I, it. And another um, one. I started it. I sat down. I was totally hooked. And, and it's I the, the same for you. It's directed by Graham Moore, who wrote uh, the Imitation yeah. Game, which I love. Yeah, know. yeah. Oh, oh, interesting. So. There's a quick reminder that we are coming to you by way of Hound Radio, the gem of the Cats podcasting system. (laughs) I don't know if it's a gem, but I will tell you this much. Hound Radio has a wonderful weekly feature called World of Dogs, and our latest talks about walking your dog. Hound Radio's leash-leading canine expert, Faith Lapidus, is back with another look into the wonderful world of dogs. To walk? or not to walk? That is the question. No, actually, the question is how to walk your dog. After all, a dog's walk is for them and should be on their terms. To get an idea of those terms, try imagining a collar around your neck and your dog walking you. You wouldn't like to be jerked around or pulled away and told stop that when you were examining a pretty flower or trying to identify a bird by its call. A dog's walk should be fun and enriching, a chance to get exercise, sure, but also to benefit their mental health. Let your dog choose your route and how fast or slow to walk. That will also give you a chance to note any changes in their gait that could be a sign of arthritis or an injury. So let your dog be a dog, and both of you will enjoy your walk. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. We're wrapping up here, but before we do, I'd like to take a minute and remember Philip Baker Hall. Yeah. Famous for many, many things, but I suppose infamous as the library cop on Seinfeld. I, I returned that book. I remember it very specifically. You're a comedian. You make people laugh. I try. You think this is all a big joke, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't. I saw you on TV once. I remembered your name from my list. I looked it up. Sure enough, it checked out. You think because you're a celebrity that somehow the law doesn't apply to you, that you're above the law? Certainly not. Well, let me tell you something funny, boy. (laughs) You know that little stamp? The one that says New York Public Library? Well, that may not mean anything to you, but that means a lot to me. Bookman. Oh, man. There was was a time that uh, me and my brother could quote that whole uh, monologue, but I can't. All I remember now, it's like, that's how you you get get your kicks. You and and your good good time, time, buddies. I got a flash for you. Joy, boy. Party time is over. (laughs) Said to be the greatest guest appearance of any sitcom ever. <laughs> I love watching Jerry trying not to laugh during that scene. Well, and every scene. That's the joy of Seinfeld. I was watching Jerry. Oliver. I mean, the thing about um uh Philip uh Baker Hall, and for certainly for for people of of, of my age, is um Paul Thomas Anderson and uh and him using mm-hmm. him uh in um in Heart Eight um or Sydney as it was as uh, as he calls it, uh named after uh, his character. Um that film, of course, uh was uh, inspired by Midnight Run and a small character that, yeah, uh, yeah. that he played in, in Midnight Run. Uh, and um, and it, that movie had such a huge impression on me. And, um, and Paul Thomas Anderson wrote it for him after he was a um, PA on, on Robert Altman's Secret Honor, uh, which was- um, uh, Yeah, Secret Honor. With, played uh, Nixon. He played Nixon. As, as and a in sort fact, of he performed that show 
in Washington at yeah. the uh, New Playwrights Theater. I was in the audience and watched it, and it was fascinating. It's it's he's a, he's a great loss and a great uh, character actor. And yeah. uh, speaking of great losses in Washington, can we just mention Mark Shields, the great oh, wow. commentator and yeah. uh, uh, columnist? Uh, uh, for many years on uh, the PBS NewsHour and was Bobby Kennedy's press secretary. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, Bobby Kennedy's campaign manager. Right. Wow. Frank yeah. Mankiewicz was the press secretary. And Mark told me the story of Frank Mankiewicz's funeral, which was at the uh, Friends Temple the <laughs> in Washington. And his rabbi got up and said, uh, I know you're wondering why a devout Jew would have his funeral in the Friends Temple, but I want you to know some of my best Jews are friends. <laughs> that is a that zinger was, right up with Bookman. That was Mark Shields' story. That's well, crazy. you know, so, I think Mark Shields speaks to a different time in Washington, D.C. Yeah, he really where we does. All, um, he does. Where, we, where we all got along and, and sort of like uh, uh, had respect for each other. Uh, and enjoy each other's company despite uh, our differences um, politically. I don't know in a nation as big and brawling, this great continent which we occupy and diverse as ours, how would resolve our differences except through the commitment, the passion, the intelligence, the courage of those who are willing to practice the political process and achieve compromise. Everyone found a way to enjoy him. Uh, okay, very quickly, what are we going to recommend this weekend? Uh, I'd I'm going to go with Cha-Cha Real Smooth on Apple. Nice. I'd say, obviously, Barry, or if you want a movie, Phantom of the Open or, or The Adam Sandler Hustle. Exactly. Tonight, I'm going to see um, Elvis. Uh, uh -huh. so, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll let you know I, whether or not it's worth it. I'm holding my breath on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Withholding comment. <laughs> Jason Fraley, just love it when you're on. Oliver Jones, Observer.com. Lou Katz, thanks so much. We'll see Don't you in a couple of weeks. Gentlemen, I'll see you soon. Definitely. And can we quote Bookman on the way out? Good time, buddies. <laughs> Enjoy, boys. Party time is over. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.